1: again ladies and germs hello this is the code 47 podcast on the secret friends unite podcasting network episode 68 originally meant to be a it is special but it was meant to be a standalone special but then because of the consequences of life katie's busy (laughs) schedule my busy schedule this is actually it's a special regular episode If that makes any sense to you, whether it makes sense to you or it doesn't, here we are. Uh, I am Charlie Carden. I am your Trek Lord of Western Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey, a chapter of the Starfleet, Star Trek International Fan Club. I am joined, as always, by my superlative, awesome co-host, Katie Q. Katie, how the heck are you?
2: I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking about everything Q. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, you jumped ahead in the program. Oh, no. Katie Q, the Q, but we've also got, (laughs) uh, and I have been after this guy for 68 episodes. This is Luke Lore is here with us. He's a Trekker. He's been with us over on SFU, and I am just so happy to have him. Luke, Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Code 47
3: Captain's Eyes only.
1: Captain's Eyes. I just I love it when somebody gets that. But what episode is that from? Uh that is from Conspiracy. Oh my god. Oh I just – I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment. Do I need to leave
2: you two alone for a bit? No, I –
1: there was a moment, but the moment is gone, and that's and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, okay. Well, without further ado, again, Katie and I were like, hey, let's crank out a special. We'll drop it like in the week in between. But then she said, I got all this stuff. And then I said, I have all this stuff. I'm going to Chicago because April and I are going to Mission uh, Chicago, the huge con that's happening April 8, 9, and 10, which if you're listening to the sound of my voice, and you live in the Midwest – It's enormous. It's the first really big Midwestern uh, Star Trek Comic Con that has happened in 30 years. So it's a big, big deal. Buy your tickets. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be totally crazy. But I digress. Uh, So we decided to make this regular episode 68. It's going to drop at the regular time. Uh, But we're going to do a little bit uh, different format with the return of John DeLancey uh, as the omnipotent imp of Q in the current uh, season of Star Trek Picard. Are we all? I know, I know an episode dropped today. Did everybody get a chance to see episode four?
2: I have not watched yet, so please don't. We're not.
1: We're way. not talking about it in the slightest. And then Luke, mm-hmm. I, I know, I know because we had you on F- SFU that you were at least up on episode one. Have you continued watching? I've caught episodes one and two mm-hmm. and uh, three. Is I'm like, I didn't even realize we were at
3: four. I must have like missed a a week there. But no, I'm up to one and two, uh, and very
1: pleased with it so far. I I love it. Well, we will not talk about the Star Trek Picard series anymore because I don't want to, uh, you know, throw any potential spoilers out there. But yeah, John Delancey is back. We saw him at the end of episode one. He was featured in episode two uh, and so on and so forth. But Uh, available on Netflix through April 1st and Paramount Plus for the rest of your life and go out and buy the discs, go out and buy digital. You can experience the five great episodes that we're going to talk about from Star Trek The Next Generation that factored uh, very heavily with Q's presence. One of the ones that we left out, uh, Katie and I did speak about recently, but we will give it an honorable mention at the end of the show if that is okay with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will kick us off, um, but before I do that, Luke... You're you're yes. you are you're a podcaster in your own right, you're a gamer. Really? Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about how you came to love Star Trek. What is your what is your Trek origin story?
3: Uh, well, my parents were certainly trekkers themselves, uh, trekkies themselves, I suppose. And uh, they loved all things sci-fi as did I. My namesake is Luke uh, from Luke Skywalker. And so Wait, that's not that's not right. Oh, sorry.
2: I <laughs> I Whoops.
3: I drew- What's wrong? I just-
2: oh, he just threw you the Spock symbol when oh, you.
3: Oh, oh, gotcha! Uh, video up. I'm so sorry. Spockin. Um, yeah, there you go. And and so, quite frankly, I I grew up uh, loving all things sci-fi, and my heroes uh, included, you know, wonderful characters like Superman and Batman, but then also, you know, Luke Skywalker and, and Riker was my favorite character. He had such a cool name, Riker. Like, it was just a cool name. Uh, I can remember being in kindergarten and getting beat up because I pulled my socks really high because I wanted them to be like the boots of
1: um, <laughs> the Starfleet officers.
3: That's a oh. real thing that happened. It happened in the bathroom at my elementary school. They beat me up because I was
1: – a- And, w- and, and <laughs> what's what's ironic is in TNG, they, they, were, they were basically Chino's beetle boots because I have a pair that I wear with my uniform, so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you got beat up for that misnomer. <laughs> in the old series, they had big boots, so I understand. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned Riker because Katie and I said in one of our breakdowns of season two of TNG that season two of TNG was basically Riker and Troy, who is taking their pants off this episode. <laughs> 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 uh, so, well, cool. All right. Well, that's, God, that's awesome. I, I love it. I, I love when people embrace the Trek and I love having people on the show with us. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to launch into the first of the five episodes and where can you start but at the beginning uh october of 1987 encounter at farpoint captain jean-luc picard leads the crew of the uss enterprise d on its maiden voyage to explore a new planetary station uh wanting to trade with the federation along the way they encounter q an omnipotent extra-dimensional being who challenges humanity as a barbaric inferior species. Picard and his new crew must hold off Q's challenge, and solve the puzzle of Farpoint Station on Denim 4, a base that is far more than it seems to be. Series premiere. Oh my goodness. Wow. Talk about a section in time. I, and and I'm sure there are many that share my story, but uh, in October of 1987, I was 11 years old. I was in sixth grade. And in May of 1994, when the Star Trek next generation ended, I was graduating from high school. So the entirety mm. of TNG was my middle school and my high school experience, seven years. So that is, you know, even though you know, in a lot of cases, I, I embrace DS9 a lot more because of the depth of its storytelling, which of course Katie and I will talk about in a later episode. TNG, starting with this, will always be an encapsulation of my childhood more than all more than more than in some ways than even in Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's just, it was just absolutely wild, but that's my contribution so far. I I want, I want you guys to talk and I'll circle back. So uh, Luke, why don't you lead us off?
3: Uh, Specifically about the Q parts of the episode. I love that he showed up and he was this entity of fear. Uh, We got to see more personality in other episodes, of course, but in this one, he was this grand imposing force that seemed to exist outside of kind of the second story that was playing out with Farpoint. And in your first viewing, you have to be wondering the entire time, is he involved? What's his level of malevolence? Is he, uh, you don't see nearly the comedic elements that you do later on. And so Mm -hmm. he's so villainous that uh, it's tough to know what to make of him, I suppose, because he shows up in this old school very old school captains, you know, armor at one right, and then changes his accent through the course of the the Mm -hmm, Um, era. But he's just not as comedic as other times. So he's just so malevolent. I really liked that. But you were never sure where his place was throughout the episode,
1: right?
2: Yeah, and I love that you brought that up, Luke, because it was something that I, re-watching this episode, I hadn't really watched it since I initially saw it, which was my first experience really with um, Star Trek, and I remember thinking, I'm like, oh my word, this dude's like a crazy psychopath. What is he doing? And the entire time, I just really didn't know where it was going to land, and definitely watching these kind of in succession, you get to see the growth of his character really, really well, and they did just, I think, a phenomenal job overall. Kind of bringing in that humor and kind of showing his playfulness a little bit more in the later episodes. He but also,
3: I'm sorry, I cut, you off. Oh, I cut you off. no, go ahead. Well, I, I apologize for cutting off. Uh, he he did something that at the time was uh, was wild because in lecturing Picard about the barbaric elements of humanity he filled in a lot of the backstory that we hadn't gotten because we had original trilogy. Then we jumped to TNG. We didn't have these going back episodes. So we learned about how humanity suffered uh, no numerous setbacks, how they treated their soldiers at one point, controlling people with drugs. Like there were some really dark depths of humanity that had not been touched on in the Mm -hmm. universe Mm -hmm. at all. And they did it out the gate with Q kind of lecturing them about it. Yeah. Right.
2: they really made it seem like watching this. It, it honestly, it felt more like a movie than what we had. The Insurrection movie we watched last week. <laughs> oh it boy, it was like very much like holistic. And even though, like you right, were saying, the, opposite, the, yeah. the Q storyline with the firepoint really had nothing to do with one another, except for Q coming in and being like, "Ooh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do?" <laughs> um, and kind of like messing with stuff a little bit. It really didn't have any connecting tissue, but it still felt much more connected. And mm-hmm. it really like after watching that episode i was like yes this is star trek like there is intrigue there's a little bit of action but there's just a lot of like big philosophical questions where you're forced to look at like what you're saying luke kind of that the dirty underside of what it means to be human and interacting with the world and the challenge that's that come with having to find compromise and how you kind of come to accept that and grow from it
1: Bingo, dingo. I I really loved in this, and and I think we'll find in subsequent uh, episodes, is that Q, while he might portray and somewhat implicitly suggest that he's controlling events, he's really doing the big nudge to push our characters to discovering a mystery that they might otherwise miss. You know, the the ultimate mystery of this, and I'm sorry after, you know, 35 years if I'm spoiling this for you, that Farpoint Station is a living creature that has been enslaved by, by you know, the Bandai, the the race that is on Deneb 4, uh, to, to use its powers as... Um, You know, to to basically you know support their society, Uh, an enterprise in the end is able to set this creature free when its mate appears in space above it, Um, and then essentially you know rains hellfire down on the planet to free it. Um, But again, it's Q uh, being very deceptive and 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 nudging uh, in the direction um, to help our characters kind of understand it. So I like that. I think it kind of sets the tone again at at, at age eleven. I wouldn't say there was a ton of it that I really glommed at that age, but as you know, as I've continued to watch it in the last 35 years, um, that is really what I've kind of come to think of it. So, um, yeah, great, great kickoff to the series again. You know, some of it is very dated. Uh, some of it is very eighties. I think, uh, I do, Still love the the jumpsuits. I do own one. I wore one at a convention recently. It's it's super uncomfortable, which is why it will end up back on our display mannequins for our booth at our next show. I don't know that I'll wear it again because I tell you, even with the shapewear, all the sucking in, no matter how many crunches I do, that's a, that's a tough one for me. But anyway, a final thoughts before we move on to the next episode.
2: Just a great way to start TNG.
1: Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Also in season one, we have the episode Hide and Q. Luke, if you wouldn't mind recapping that.
3: Hide and Q is the episode in which Q returns to the Enterprise, testing Commander Riker by giving him the power of the Q. Uh, And I actually just watched this one today, Charlie. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Do you want me to just go right in? Mm. By all means, please. Indeed, I will. So I actually really liked this episode because it's very much a one off uh, in a time where we were, you know, they were experimenting with longer storylines. But season one was really a lot smaller and sectional. And I really liked this episode because we saw a much more comedic version of Q than we had an encounter at Farpoint. An entirely different side to this malevolent personality that uh, seemed to, after playing Judge in the, the previous episode, was now almost trying to teach lessons and experiment with humanity a bit. Uh interestingly, one of my favorite parts is where Picard a- almost 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 uh in a rival sense, or the first time we truly see a rivalry. He said, "So you're taking on Riker now? Excellent. He'll defeat you uh just as easily as I did." And right. that was a cool line. Uh, Funny, funnily enough, Riker overacted in the entire episode to, kind
1: of <laughs> Big to accommodate,
3: time. you know, and uh, <laughs> it, it just seemed funny because, you know, he, he gets so infatuated so quickly with this power and, and a lot of questions could be asked. But we saw a lot of other cool elements of this. We saw Data kind of exploring his memory banks. We saw Worf show some of his warrior prowess and mm-hmm. uh, Tasha cried and, and Picard showed some empathy. In a different Right. Way.
1: That was a first, particularly after his speech in the previous episode where he says, I don't like children, but uh, I need to project a, a, an impression that I am. So, Riker, that's G- your God. job to make me uh, likable because I'm not likable. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You're right. He, he did show real empathy and, and care for Tasha's plight. And so, yeah, that was that was the first kind of site. That was actually some significant character development, I would think, for Picard in this episode. I agree. I agree. Katie. What do you
0: think?
2: Yeah. Um, I thought that it was really great. I do agree with the Riker overacting. One of my favorite parts was when it like kind of like the co- traditional cuts commercial break, and you had like Riker like and the, he's just got his like chest out and he's standing there looking down at it. I'm like, okay, I get, it, you're, I get it, you're tall. Yes, I understand. It's Oh, fun. that's me. Wait.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> just totally
2: puffing out. Yes. That's a great yeah. way to describe it. So it was very, very fun. But I do um agree because the first time you see Q, you know, at FirePoint he does have this kind of almost prime directive, but in a different sense as far as he's like, no, I am the higher power. I am judging you based off of these, like this criteria. And it seems like he does have a higher sense of morality. And then you see in high Hy- height and Q, he's like, just kind of like you said, like kind of almost experimenting with him and becoming much more whimsical with what he's doing. You know, he's dressing everybody up in elaborate costumes again, as he does Q Q loves him some fashion. Let's be real. Anytime he can get in a goofy costume, Snazzy. (laughs) Snazzy. You bet. But I do love, like you were saying, the development with Picard and just the confidence that they allow Picard to show in his team where there's never a doubt in his mind, really, at least when he's talking with Q. And even when he's talking with Riker, and it seems like Riker might be setting up to be like, I don't know, I might keep the power scene. He's like, come on, dude, that's not you. We both know this. Mm -hmm. Let's have a bigger thing. I did think it was really interesting that they did think to write... Diana off of this episode because mm-hmm. she immediately they say at the beginning of the episode she's off she's visiting um, Beta Zed because like as soon as this happens with Riker I was like wait yeah and it- all this but yeah like-
1: it would throw it right off because yeah she would right. talk him down I'm saying like you know yeah she's his she is his moral compass and he needed mm-hmm. to to be absent of that uh, for so this episode so, I yeah. did
2: like that they rather rather than have it be kind of that moment of stupidity that they like to give her when something just mm-hmm. Like when they just don't want her to be able to be into it or they instead were just like, nope, she's just going to be off on this episode because we don't want her interfering with this part.
1: Right. Which, you know, thankfully, they don't do that in a lot of later episodes, but mm-hmm. this did, while I didn't think it was a bad episode, it did suffer from a lot of that early series, like, or playing around, trying to figure out who the characters are, um, and then, but, but again, ignoring one of the most important TNG relationships, which is the connection between the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, which was firmly established in the first episode, so, well, cool. Well, for the sake of time, let's keep things moving forward. Forward. We move on to season three's Deja Q. And Katie, this one's yours.
2: Yes. Q is seeking asylum on the Enterprise after he has been thrown out of the continuum and stripped of his powers
1: by Corbin Burnson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved. Oh um, my goodness.
2: This one was probably one of my favorites just because data.
1: I'm a sucker for
2: data. And I loved the play, especially data just coming right out and being like, you know, you have what I have been seeking or what I have been trying to emulate, which is humanity and Q just constantly suffering through it. And it was again, Charlie, you and I have talked a little bit about the issues of pride between Picard and Q and how Q is very self-serving and his pride and ego are very much self-involved where Picard's is more external where Mm -hmm. his pride comes in his ship and in his crew and what they can accomplish as a team. Right. And it seems like you kind of, again, got more of that play and that duality between them. And it was shown a little bit more with the data and watching Q grow. It seemed like that helped as far as this future morality. And it's honestly made me very curious as to how they're going to be going forward with Picard because he was like starting to take some really hard lessons on right. how he can behave and how he can act around creatures that might not be quite as powerful as a continuum.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you'll find a, a, an interesting wrinkle in episode four that will speak to that. So, but I, but I shall say no more. Uh, this is the, I, I enjoyed this episode again, uh, very much a uh, little trivia fact. Uh, John Delancey did appear fully nude. In that first scene where he <laughs> appears on the bridge. That yeah, it, and it was it was weird because I have this old the old Star Trek The Next Generation compendium in print, which I read when I was kid. They filmed this over Thanksgiving weekend in uh, nineteen ninety, where uh, Jean Delancey appeared au naturel in front of the bridge crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, Katie, I have to absolutely agree with you. You said it's it's a humanizing moment for Q, for him to be taught humanity from the the non-human or non-corp- even corporeal member of the crew, Data and his selflessness and how he puts himself out there. Um, this also really reflects on uh, Q's interaction again, which was uh, Q-Who, which was the episode, uh, our honorable mention that we'll talk about at the end of the episode, uh, where we learned that Guinan and Q have a past history it's nice to see her jump back in and kind of twist the knife quite literally uh with him in this a little bit so yeah no i enjoyed it luke your thoughts please i
3: thought it was fantastic great episode we did get to see gynon's hatred for uh q kind of begin which which was really interesting as she stabbed him with a fork um, mm-hmm. To start off with with John Delancey being fully nude there really had li- viewers questioning the seriousness, because if it was kind of the next time we saw Q, which version were we getting the comedic right. one or mm-hmm. the, the, the violent one that w- enjoyed toying with people? And mm-hmm. in many ways, despite being powerless, he still toyed with the crew uh, at, at right. various levels, and they had to exercise their own level of humanity, which if the trial never ends, you know, could have been been, you know, shown there as they. Are trying to tolerate him at various points. Um, I thought this was one of the better Q episodes, for sure. Uh, and John Delancey really got a chance to shine in a very different way. Um, mm-hmm. Watching Data tend to him was perhaps my favorite part, as Data tried right. to accommodate his needs, not getting upset, but trying to
1: observe, hey, maybe if you weren't such a jerk, they would Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think maybe just a little bit. Well, uh, go ahead, Katie, please.
2: Oh, I say, and um, I think the giving of a gift to data of giving him laughter at the end of it was <laughs> so, so great, was so pure and just so wholesome. And it felt like a real learning experience for Q right. too, because in our previous episode with the and um, Q where Riker, the first thing he tries to do is give data humanity. Like that was the thing that they kept saying that the kids right. were like, Oh, if data wanted something, it'd be humanity. And then in this one, the first thing, data says is don't make me human. I don't want humanity. I just want to experience what they experience. And so... Q right. too, showing taste. that he'd learned showing that he'd listened and was like, Okay, cool, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give you right. a moment of revelry, which was right. absolutely adorable. And Chris Breastbitter, amazing. Uh, really I totally strong. agree.
1: And it's one of those awesome memes that you see absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, moving on to the next episode. This was probably, I would almost say it was my favorite of the ones because it, it kind of feels like it touches me personally. Tapestry, uh season six. Uh season six was actually the only season in TNG where Q appeared twice because he was in an episode of Early in the season, called uh "Oh my God, Hide!" I, I can't remember the name of the episode, but there was a young woman, and she she was a Q, but she was discovering her oh, powers. I got, I got that one.
3: Please, I got that one. I'm it was, I'm drawing true Q. Was that true? It's
1: Q? Fr- it's super rare that I forget the name of an episode. So thank you very <laughs> much. But anyway, uh, true Q. I believe you're absolutely yeah. Hide and Q was it yeah. But anyway, this episode was called Tapestry. Uh, after being attacked on a way mission, Picard dies again uh and meets q in the afterlife who offers him the chance to change a crucial moment in his history and prevents the mistakes he made in his youth oh i i i adore this episode this was my senior year in high school if i'm not mistaken because it was it was season six or no junior in high school sorry um and it's weird, the station that we had here uh, to show it in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Kitty and I live, uh, was Channel 3, and they would sometimes show it after a basketball game. So it was one of these I might have to stay up till midnight to tape it or so, because I always taped them. I was such a super nerd in high school. I taped all my episodes, paused out the commercials. Um, I love this one, especially um, I, I like the flashbacks to the past because you get to see the monster maroon, which is the, the beauty of all Star Trek uniforms, the cosplay that is the great white buffalo that I, I feel like I will never own uh, because it's so damned expensive. But um, there is no one on Earth who doesn't have regrets about their past. And they don't say, oh, if I would have done XYZ, my life would have been great. You know, I've been divorced twice and I can say, oh, my God, if I never would have married ex-wife number one then XYZ or X-Wife number two, XYZ. But how would that otherwise have affected my life? You know, how would I have not experienced this thing or that thing? Um, because I let go of that experience. And that is what this episode did for me. It was this great lesson, not only for Picard, but for me to the entirety of the audience. Um, I found it to be one of the more powerful episodes of the series to me. And certainly, like I said, I love Farpoint, and then I love All Good Things, which is the the final episode of the series that we'll talk about in a moment here. But this, to me, was the most powerful. Absolutely. Because it showed that you just have to live life, and you have to fuck up. Pardon me for saying so. And you have to dust yourself off, and you got to keep on trucking, which is my personal motto. Um because that is just the way things work you learn and you move forward and certain opportunities are missed but it's it's the it's the you know i never saw aston kutcher in the damn butterfly effect which is funny because my wife and i are watching this that 70s show right now on disc and i know i never saw those movies because they look so awful but it's the same thing you know stepping on a butterfly in the past which is something that came up in star trek picard because they're in the past right now um that you will screw up the entirety of your life if you do. And that's exactly what Picard does. And he circles it back around. So anyway, I feel like I was in a soapbox for that one. So somebody else start talking. Go ahead, Katie.
2: Oh, I was like, Luke, I want to hear your thoughts actually on it.
1: Okay,
3: So I absolutely (laughs) adored the lesson. One of the things about Q consistently as he puts humanity on trial uh, from the most serious to the, the most cavalier Um, he's constantly trying to teach a lesson. And I don't think any episode was better at doing that than this one. And to your point, Charlie, we all have things we regret. Some of us very intensely. And when you think back and you think if, if I had the ability to wave my hand and wipe my slate clean or to absolve myself of my sins and fix the, the young arrogant version of myself to the more wisdomatic version I am now, if I could do that, what would happen? And we get to see, Picard go through that and as a result he ends up uh giving one of his most passionate speeches in my mind where he says I cannot live out my life as that man devoid of passion and something imagine
1: in imagination yeah
3: imagination okay yeah um that to me was one of my favorite Picard moments of the of anything we've ever seen in any version uh because it's true he was an impotent weak-willed man which is so different than this roguish captain that did handle the stargazer mm-hmm. versus this very wisdomatic yeah. man who needed geniality to handle families on board while he commanded the flagship of the federation and warded off the Borg and was instrumental in stopping, uh, the Sona Cause you know, those were a big deal in insurrection. Clearly. And <laughs>
1: as, as you heard in our last episode where we showed a lot of reverence for that movie. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, so for all the power, powerful moments
3: that the series has given us, it was Q who gave one of my favorite moments with Picard uh, in that blue uniform, and right. Troy and Breiker just blew him off. And it yeah, was, it was they were like, to "Watch that,
1: bro! You suck. You're kind of nothing." And like. Yeah. You're, you'll always be. So yeah, they kind of told him "Suck." So he said, you know what, I got to kind of get what's ironic is, you know, of course now Picard is an android, so it doesn't really matter that he had an artificial heart, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. Oops, that was in season one. I didn't spoil that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Katie, any final thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I have to agree that I loved the idea and the themes of it. I don't really love the specifics of the execution because I thought he was still taking risks. Like he went forward on a relationship that he had always regretted. He mm-hmm. literally tackled his best friend and risked losing that relationship rather than right. having them get hurt. So when they right. were like, Oh well, no, you don't take risks. You're, you're like totally milk toast," I was like, okay, he didn't get stabbed through the heart, but okay. <laughs> so like, it was kind of one of those like back and forth, but I did really love just again, the, the relationship between, q and picard in those big moments that they have where they give these really beautiful um a really in, like intuitive speeches or um i can't think of the word i'm trying to think of right now um but you know just are very intimate speeches as far as like mm. the passion that's there and the reasoning why he is the way that he is so yeah. i thought that that was really really yeah. great in those senses
1: excellent Awesome, good deal. All right, we're down to the, the like five minute drill here because I know that we're <laughs> on time. But we're going to talk about all good things series finale. Uh, who's up, Luke? Is this you? Go for I, it. Is, is it me? Yes, it. Should. Why not? <laughs> Picard learns
3: from Q that Q, learns from Q that he is to be the cause of the annihilation of humanity, and begins an incredible journey through time, from the present to the past, where he first took command of the Enterprise, to twenty-five years into the future. Of course, this was the season finale, series finale.
1: That's what I meant. <laughs> yes, of course, I know that. Um, wow, holy shit! This was this was the absolute. Biggest of the big deals. And again, this aired in May of 1994, which is when I was graduating from high school. So my life was changing as well. But I was saying goodbye to Star Trek The Next Generation, I thought, because we did get a movie afterwards. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, this, this one was kind of a weird one. Because especially when I look at it in reference to the episode that preceded it, it wasn't really much of a wower. You know, I thought that Q did certainly what he did in the first episode. And, of course, there was a significant corollary between this and Counter at Farpoint because there were scenes uh, set prior to that film where Picard took, the, took command of the Enterprise and left space dock, yada, yada, yada. Then we saw this uh, future which didn't come to pass and then the present. And it ultimately had to align all three in order to solve this Weird mystery. And again, it was Q saying, uh, Well, it's your fault because you created this anomaly because blah, blah, blah. And I've kind of helped you along the path to discover it. And now you've saved humanity. And now the show's over. So as finales go, there are better ones. But it's not a bad story to kind of wrap up TNG with the exception of the absolutely ludicrous romance between Worf and Troy, just don't. It's, it, it's a no for me, dog. I'm going to go full Randy Jackson on that one. Seven thumbs down. I
3: loved All th- all Good Things, except for the Troy part. I loved All Good Things. I thought that was a fantastic uh, series finale. So I, I don't know if I'm, I'm in the minority of them, but I thought it was... Powerful. It was fun. I liked seeing Q mock Picard in a different way, uh, mm-hmm. especially when he was old. I really liked that. Yeah. Um, With that big see-
1: beard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
3: And then seeing Tasha uh, back, it, it was really nice and, and, and wholesome. And kind of the, my, one of my favorite moments also was actually the absence of Q when Picard started yelling. Like yelling at mm-hmm. this guy the sky, and the crew's like, mm, "All
1: right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah all right." Oh, oh, oh man, They're, you're like, loud. they're <laughs> like, "Oh God, what the hell are we doing here?" Shit, I should have been. I should have been on a cruise ship. <laughs> it was weird. It was oh my goodness. But uh, um, Katie, your thoughts, please. I
2: thought it was fantastic. So Luke, I don't think you're necessarily the minority with this one. Um, it had, I think, a lot of really great notes that harkened back to the original you know a farpoint episode but it was definitely more q is in humanity's corner at this point and it you could really feel that um and i think that like it had a lot of themes as far as having to give up having to move on because you had you know picard this is the first time that we find out that he does have some sort of you know like uh, neurological degradation disorder or you mm-hmm. know, disease that could at some point impact his life and him having to come to terms with that as well as him having to come to terms with the life that he could live and the life that he you know, mm-hmm. has lived. So it's a lot of kind of the same things that themes that we've been seeing all throughout TNG just wrapped up in this really beautiful story that's done all at once. And even at the end when you have all of the you know, people, or you have the entire bridge crew together, they're playing cards as they have through TNG kind of throughout. And you find out that Picard told them the entire thing, even though they didn't actually remember what was going on. And they have this discussion about, well, why would he say that? We probably shouldn't have known that. And they say, well, you know, maybe it's to prevent us all from kind of drifting apart and having those, you know, those falling outs because they understood, Picard understood the you know, beauty of those relationships. Again, when you have some, the guy at firepoint who's like, eh, I don't like kids. I don't really like people, but I have to be genial. So help me out with this. And it's ends with him sitting in a table playing poker with his entire bridge. Cool. Going, I should have done this before.
1: Mm-hmm. 100% agree. No, I thought that that ending was exactly what the series needed. Mm-hmm. Exactly what the series needed to wrap things up. So, and speaking of wrapping up, we ran a little over. I know we said 30 minutes because I know, Luke, you had uh, that, that was kind of what you were looking for. But um, I know, Luke, that you wanted you wanted to give us a rundown of kind of what you, how you wanted to rank them. So go for it. Okay. My favorite uh, Q episodes beginning with the best
3: and ending with the worst. All good things, followed by Deja Q, Encounter at Farpoint, Tapestry, Hiding Q. Uh, weirdly Q who ended up at number six for me out of the TNG episodes, mm-hmm. true Q number seven. And in a distant far absolute worst possible was Cupid. I could not, I did not like that episode. at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was not great at all. Well, I, I, in ranking just the ones that we have here, cause I want to jump on the, uh, jump on the bandwagon. Uh, tapestry is my favorite, uh, certainly followed by far point. Uh, I then liked Deja Q, All Good Things, and then finally Hide and Cue, even though it's a Riker episode, still ends up at the bottom.
2: Um, I would say probably Deja Q, All Good Things, Farpoint, Hide and Cue, and then Tapestry
1: for me. Oh, man. Ouch. Poor Tapestry. (laughs) Oh, well, with that, we will wrap it up. Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. This surely should not be an isolated incident. You are an exceptional a podcaster. I love working with you. So we have to do this some more. Um, So thank you very much. Tell people quickly, please, where they can find you out there on the internets. Of course, if you're on Twitter, you can find me at InsipidGhost. You'll find the majority
3: of my content is gaming-related. I host a podcast called the Xbox Expansion Pass, in which I interview a number of developers throughout the gaming industry uh, and look at the gaming news uh, as it pertains to the Xbox ecosystem. Uh, it is family-friendly, and there's often a lot of developers on there from all around the world. So I would welcome any of you fellow uh, Trekkers as
1: well as gamers kind of overlapping. It would be a joy to have you rock and roll this was the greatest uh thank you very much luke it's so great to have you here katie if you would be so kind take us out
2: yes you can find us online at the new secret com and hit us up at secret friends unite on twitter let us know what you are doing and what you're enjoying in the trek world and you could subscribe to our youtube channel as well as visit us on t public for all kinds of swag
1: you got it all right friends thank you as always for joining us uh I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking
2: and wherever you go, go boldly.
0: This podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more secret friends unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new discord server or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.